As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that vocal shouting, it's Dainer Dave Ninimitz. It's Dainer Dave Ninimitz. All right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast, Growlin, Paul Eager Jr., Dave Minimitz of The Athletic, are excited to be with you here on a Tuesday as we work our way through this, Dave. We're, we're working one day at a time, one sleep at a time, just trying to work our way through this as things have gone from the greatest expectations ever, Super Bowl, everybody, I, I, hey, I did it, right? To now, uh, it's all screwed, isn't it? It's all screwed, isn't it? I mean, we're all we're, we're all working one day at a time. We're all working one sleep at a time. I think Joe's yeah. just joined the rest of us on just trying to plow through each day and figure out if it's going to be okay. Yeah. As he said before the season, everybody's just a guy. Everybody's just a guy working day to day. We're all working the same way Burrow is, dealing with our stuff, sleep to sleep. Sleep to sleep. Trying to see if we can work, find our way to Thursday, right? Yeah. That's I mean, kind of where we're at. My calves hurt. There's no real good reason for it other than being old, but <laughs> my calves hurt. It's true. So we, we're going to get into this. Um, there's there's a, a bunch. We're going we're gonna to dive into where the calf situation stands. There's just no other way to approach this Bengals beat right now other than trying to give you as much information to be as so you can feel as as much in the room of the decisions that have to be made as possible okay as as far as we can i mean nobody truly can only joe knows how his calf feels only the trainers know the exact details of how every rehab and workout and the tweak reaction and all that stuff has gone but we can we can do our best to take you there we're going to do that we're going to talk about the decision mo egger is going to come on um, and we're going to, you know, talk through some of the options and that's going to include saying the name Jake Browning out loud. Mm. Okay. Mm. Like that, it's just, <laughs> that's, this is what this is. Okay. So, so buckle up. I just real, put your big real boy quick. pants on real quick. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we, we did it. Everybody else in the media did it. Fans did it. 
when we were going on and on about the backup quarterback situation, it felt kind of like we're really splitting hairs at this point. But the thing that kept coming up is what if you need a guy for a month? What if you need a guy for six games? We're at that point. Maybe it would have been wise to go try to get a Gardner Minshew or figure out some more dudes to come in. And maybe Will Greer is that dude. I don't know. But I just, to our credit and our defense, I think it was uh, worthwhile to make a big deal out of that. And we will be making a big deal out of it now, to to be sure, as as we get through this. Um, I, I um, went on the Athletic Football Show, so go check out that feed. I was on there with Zach Kiefer, Kiefer in the Beats. Um, and we talked through a little bit. It was a good conversation. Love chatting with Zach. Um, so uh, if you have some time, uh, I spent about 15 minutes with him as part of that show. You can go check out. We we kind of dive into some more of the bigger picture beyond just the calf. Obviously, the calf is a part of it, but um, some of the other stuff there, too. If you just can't get enough, right, <laughs> which is really I hope you can get enough. I hope this is enough, but we'll we'll do our best. Um so, oh, thanks to everyone who was so concerned that thought I got either punched in the face <laughs> or stroked out or stung. My tongue got stung by a bee with someone's <laughs> suggestion. People were literally like emailing me being like, hey, look, I, I have some stroke medicine and I sell like I can help you. I am so humbled and happy that you guys cared about me like that. Turns out it's just distortion on my phone. It was just an issue. The AirPods somehow were dead i thought i had charged them apparently i didn't so instead of using the airpods in the live room i had to use the phone which apparently creates a significant amount of distortion and concern amongst at <laughs> listeners so thank you for everyone's concern but i hope you can hear right now i'm fine uh i, I did not have any issues i we so, need to like have yeah. a GoFundMe to get you an iphone 15 because i had never mentioned it but when we talk on the phone, sometimes it sounds like you have an odd lisp. It yeah. sounds like something's wrong with your voice. And I maybe I should have been more concerned that you were stroking out like everybody you else. You weren't was. concerned. Everybody no, else was. I was so like, I can take they... over. If he dies, I can take over this pod by myself, which is my dream, <laughs> as you know. <laughs> All right. Um, let's let's get let's get into this before before Mo comes in here. Um where we're at. Okay, obviously, after the game, Joe Burrow tweaks his calf. Uh, He tweaks the calf at the end of the game. After the game, press conference, extreme amount of concern. I mean, this was not lighthearted. It wasn't something that he was brushing it off. Oh, I'll be fine, which you normally hear from players. This was a guy feeling very beaten down. You saw him limping and grimacing off the field. There was a loud curse at one point that got caught. I mean, this, he, he, we kept pushing to see where, how far we could go. And he would still say, I don't know. And it was all the way to, could this be a thing that you worry about having to deal with all season? And he kind of, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's sore. It hurts. And I tweaked it. And, and, and this is not good. Right. I mean, that was kind of the thing. Fast forward Monday. We're in the locker room. Burrow's in there, comes out of team meeting. He's there. He's walking. We had to do the thing, Dave, where Burrow walks across the locker room to the training room, and we all have to judge his gait. <laughs> and, and we all had to agree as a media contingent on the word we would use to describe said gait, mm. right, which is just a low point in journalism. 
but it's, it's where we're at. You're you're pretty much Kramer working with uh, Miss Maine to make sure she's good in the Miss America contest. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, that's what it, I mean. There, there's more attention on this than that, um, <laughs> and so we all settled on brisk. It was a brisk walk. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't slow. Uh, it it he had plenty a good pace. Um, there wasn't a major limp or impediment. It felt like it was smooth enough. Now, it felt like he knew, like Miss America, I'm about to do the walk through the crowd now. Here yeah. I go. And, yeah. and and went through and, and was fine and wanted to put on a good show. And that's totally fine. Um, the answers from Zach Taylor in the press conference were a similar vein that to what we kind of had gotten what you expect. I, you know, he's sore. We don't know until we talk to the doctors, we can decide what we're going to do. I said, well, could that involve shutting Joe down for a few weeks to try to get it all the way back again? I don't know. We'll, we'll have to devise a plan after we see how he feels. He's sore. Okay. That's where it's at. We knew it was going to take a few days to see how it reacts, how it comes back and, and go from there. Um, so that's kind of where we're at now. The next practice is Thursday. There's your next mile post to look at. Will Burrow be involved at all? Will he be limited? Would he be full again? Um, that'll be something that we'll watch to see where it's at. We'll hear from him theoretically on Thursday, which is the normal starting quarterback press conference slot, as well as the next time we'll talk to Zach Taylor. So you have a few days of not sleeping uh, while Joe does. <laughs> to 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 deal to be all in your emotions and, and and see how how this is going, but I suspect we won't hear anything um, until we get to Thursday. Well, I think it, it it's like you have to read between the lines so much on this and and try to almost come up with your own theory on what's going on. And part of that has been that coyness we talked about in the preseason that I thought. You know, Zach Taylor was kind of dismissing it, that it's not that big a deal. And, you know, like no one ever said that, but kind of the attitude was sort of now it seems like the the verbiage and the language you're hearing is more they're kind of conceding. Yeah, there's there's something here. And I think back to when Jamar Chase made his comment on NFL Network about maybe we should sit him down and it, it turned into kind of a joke. It was like, oh, Jamar's being funny, saying Joe shouldn't play. It seems like Jamar knew something then, and uh, it's looking pretty much like he was a prophet back then. So uh, it's interesting that we have to kind of untangle this and figure out what's going on just by things like how he walks across a room and the language they're using right now. I'm glad you mentioned that because I have that audio of Jamar essentially yesterday kind of standing in the locker room, (laughs) and he didn't stand on a table and do it. He did it quietly during kind of a very short uh, time talking to the media. But basically said, I told y'all, yeah, I told you guys you should have waited till week five and let this guy get healthy, which he said, I'll bring you the audio in a minute because it's connected to some other stuff about go balls and things. But like it, you know, this was part of this was the concern. What I want to do next is bring you in. um, I have a story up now that's kind of really it's, you know, all these things, they come. This is like the sequel. This is like Back to the Future Part Two, where we were going to get future Biff. (laughs) Okay, and like they're gonna get the fun that the almanac is gonna happen here. Uh, this is sort of the sequel to the one that I wrote in the immediate aftermath of the injury. And they really, you know, 
it's it is just like that where you can't just pick up in two and think you know the plot. All right, yeah. you got. I recommend to read part one <laughs> through the yeah. lens of where we're at now because I, I found myself doing that and fascinated by again told you guys this was part of the concern okay and that's not this is not a pat on the back this is just all the doctors were saying that you know this is why the nfl has focused so intently on these lower extremity injuries that happen early in camp then and at an the nfl summit on health and safety this was their point I mean, I, I pulled that out. We are so focused on strains. That was Dr. Christina Mack, who's the chief scientific offer and advisor to the NFL. Muscle strains are the highest burden injury to our players year after year because of the recurrence rate. And it was pointed out by Dr. Jessica Flynn, who is part of that with the NFL as well, and is, you know, in Bo- she works in Boston. Uh, she's a sports injury and analyst for and sports medicine doctor for two decades at the Leahy Hospital and Medical Center. Okay, this is not Twitter doc. All right, um, she's on Twitter and she's a doctor. Doesn't make her a Twitter doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I know it can be confusing. Um, who pointed out then? This was back before any of this was a thing. Was like, yeah, two thirds of these are fine. Yeah, one third of them see these recurrings recurring issues and that's when it becomes a thing and most of them happen when you think you're all the way back and we're seeing this again here so i reached back out to dr flynn when this happened with the unfortunately i'm back can we talk (laughs) again and i want to bring you that conversation now um so you can get a feel for her view and what she said on some issues on, on some you know some phrasing and some words that i'm sure made some people's stomach churn a little bit but this is we're trying to bring reality okay big boy pants day here we go dr jessica flynn yeah unfortunately the risk of of re-injury to the calf is high especially when it happens in the preseason and so this is not a shock that it's happened it's very frustrating and certainly it seemed like they gave it plenty of time to get better you know, he, he rested an entire preseason. So, um, but only the athlete and the people taking care of him can really know if he was 100% going into week one. And, and clearly he wasn't. You know, I think his week one performance of basically not leaving the pocket once was very clear, you know, and it, it also could be partly the conditions. Week one conditions were bad. It was really slippery. Um, and that is always a risk for um, worsening a lower extremity injury. But, at this point, it's going it's something he'll have to manage the entire season. Um, this is not going to go away. He'll still be dealing with it most likely in December. So it's all about getting treatment every week and trying to quiet this down. And if it gets to a point where it really is still impacting his level of play, which it's hard to make that judgment when he, when he didn't have a preseason and he's just played two weeks now. Um, but if it gets to a point where it's impeding his ability to perform, they may have to shut him down again, unfortunately. Is that a decision that's kind of in front of them right now of, hey, we could take two weeks off totally and maybe get you all the way back? Or is, is that not something that's necessary? I, I, that is really, it's really a finesse kind of a call. And so it has to be, I, I can't guess that. It really has to be how bad are the symptoms. I mean, 
watching him play, I can't tell you, especially like go back to week one. It's not like he was limping around the field the whole game. He just wasn't doing anything. And so it's hard for an outsider to judge. Is he being limited because of the cat? You know, is it all physical from the calf? Is it partly mental, partly physical, you know, and how bad is it? And I, and I think only the training staff can, can tell you that, you know, and, and, and the athlete can really tell you. So, so there's not really, I mean, an advantage where you could take a couple of weeks off and, and, and totally wipe it out. I mean, in, in any situation, or is that something that, that can happen where you can, you can get back to hundred percent. If you just look, take, take two weeks, don't do yeah. anything. At this point in this particular situation where he took an entire training camp off and didn't fully recover, I don't think two weeks is going to get him a hundred percent now. Could two weeks get him 80%? Yeah, but there's still a risk of recurrence because it's not like, you know, we're early in the season. He's He, at this point, doesn't really have the luxury to shut this down for another six weeks. Is it, is it get, I mean, I, it just gets harder as the season goes on just because of the frustration of it on top of the physical aspect of continually having to, you know, maybe tweak it or put, put pressure on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these can, but they also can respond. So I wouldn't say it's all doom and gloom. This could respond. They could get the right mix. They, you know, he's, I'm sure getting treatments around the clock. You know, there's a lot that, um, the training staff can do to try to promote healing. Um, and so I think it's just a matter of remaining hopeful that this is something he can manage and find a way to be more effective than he's, than he's been able to be so far. All right. There's, Dr. Flynn and and I I think again there's there's not all doom and gloom you hear at the end I mean some of these things rebound some react well and you can manage I think when you see he's going to have to manage this all season it's not going away it's not that he's going to be out all season or this is going to be the it's that they're going to have to work through it during the week in the way he gets treatment all season, in the way he plays and progresses in the way that he plays is going to be a part of all season. Again, I recommend go back and read part one. Yeah. Because and- that's part of this is that these, the, the instances of this happening of it becoming a longer issue is because of, of the recurrences. And that's where you've seen it be an issue for other quarterbacks. Well, a great part about that first story, too, is you get into examples of of other athletes and not just football players with Mike Trout's in that one and, and different guys that it looked like it wasn't a big deal, maybe at the front end. And you saw how it was a big deal throughout. And I also just want to thank you for the back to the future thing. You you say things so I can understand them. That's it. Because I'm That's simple I'm and I appreciate that. But <laughs> no, I, I think that you're totally right. That story is. A lot of times when we have older stories, they're kind of a moot point because time has passed and they don't mean the same thing. It it fits into this and it's interesting to look back at the start of the season and see what we were saying about it and what the doctor was saying about it and those other examples. So it's worth going back and reading. Yeah, and, uh, and it stinks. Okay, I mean, like, it stinks for Joe. It stinks for the Bengals. It stinks for people that like watching him play football. It stinks for Bengals fans um, because it – it changes the way they operate. And that's sort of the second lever here is that when what they have done is essentially you've taken away creative uh, off script burrow a little bit. You know, we've seen he's, he is 10% more 2.5 seconds or less. And you're, you're not seeing, they haven't been able to get the deep shots as much. He's just kind of, 
pocket guy. And that's fine. Like I'm reminded a little bit of this, this style can be sort of like old Brady. Okay. Like plenty effective, won a damn Super Bowl, but you know, the off script, make a dude miss with the crazy thing and like scramble or find the guy down the field while running that part has kind of been chunked off of what Burrow is right now. And the reality is that we don't know how long it's going to be until that can return. Yeah, And that's what's tough for the Bengals offense going forward is that's what sets them apart. That's, that's their next level weapon that just demoralizes people is when you think you've got him and he creates something huge out of it whether due to pocket presence or off script and then those receivers are loose you kind of take some of that away it's not that they can't be good or he can't be good it's that it, it it's different yeah and it's also what keeps that offense on par with the best offenses because josh allen does that because mahomes does that because tua can run around like that's that's part of what makes the most dangerous offenses the most dangerous offenses and yeah you can go and be old brady it's a lot of dink and dunking and conservative and you know you always got to just make the right pass which can be effective but you're right it 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 and you will get into it with the the chase audio that it really takes away from these weapons that you have yeah, let me bring in the Chase audio right now from yesterday, and then we'll bring in Mo as we start talking about what the next decisions are. And Jamar, this is Jamar Chase talking about both, you know, the lack of go balls, which he feels like should be happening more. I felt like very familiar, like we've heard that before, and his uh, a little bit of "I told you so" uh, about how Burrow should have been sitting. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Is your recommendation still, hey, getting ready for week five? Is that still kind of your message? Um, like I said, beginning of the season, like the health is the biggest thing for our quarterback and for the team, period. You know what I'm saying? Being healthy and playing a long season is what this whole thing is about for us. So you'd understand if it was like, hey, shut Joe down for a couple weeks to make sure he's 100% on the I other wish end of it. that from jump. You know, but yeah. I mean, live and learn. Do you think he's been limited with what he's been able to do downfield because of the because of the cap? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we really haven't took that many shots downfield. Uh, you look at the past two games, you don't really see that many shots downfield. If I take more shots downfield, I mean, that's why we got deep threat guys. Take, take a chance. Is that dependent on or deep shots dependent on the way the way the game is going, or is it dependent on play calls to call deep shots? All right, so there's Jamar Chase. Um, you know, 
would like to see the ball thrown deep, take a chance, right? I mean, that's it felt very similar to after the Chicago game in 2021 when the offense was struggling and his message was like, just, just F it, Jamar's down there somewhere, right? I mean, that's kind of, I think what he's asking for is, is a, a little bit of that. But the hard part is you can't just do that when you're worried about the pocket presence and mobility of your quarterback, of creating those plays, finding those plays, um, willingness to sit back there while they develop uh, can be tough to find. And that's frustrating for Jamar. It's frustrating for everybody. And that's part of, you know, the issue that they're going to have to work through going forward, whether Burrow plays Monday night against the Rams or doesn't, which is still very much up in the air, which brings us to uh, Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 coming in. What's up? How we doing? Doing good. We're trying to, we're trying to work. We're calling it's a big boy pants day. Everyone's trying to have <laughs> real conversations, understand it's just football and everyone's trying to work through it. And we're trying to enjoy it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so let's let's but let's talk about the reality of what's in front of this staff training staff, coaching staff, front office when it comes to their $275 million quarterback. And that is whatever, you know, the doctors will have whatever they want to say, whatever it is. I mean, whatever they see here. Inevitably, as Zach Taylor said yesterday, you're taking Joe Burrow at his word. This is about how does your calf feel? There's no way for anybody to 100% know that, you know, it looks great. Like there's just, there's no way to know it's a feel thing. And are you willing to go out there and have him play through it at whatever percentage sit, you know, continue this shotgun in the pocket, 45 year old Tom Brady offense, or are you saying, look, let's shut it down for a few weeks and try to get it closer to 100% and try to go from there, insert Jake Browning. Where do you land on what you think the next move should be? Or if that's unknown, what the most important part of the next decision should be? Protect the investment. There you go. Two years ago, it was, why not us? Last year, it was, they got to play us. Right now, the motto is, protect the investment. <laughs> so they have a game on Monday against an okay Rams team at home. Let's I, you can take Joe Burrow at his word and the player is going to want to play. Joe's going to want to be out there. He's a gamer. We respect that about him. Um, he's going to want to do everything in his power and use every resource available to want to play on Monday. I respect that. At some point, somebody has got to be the adult in the room whether it's Zach Taylor, whether it's the team doctors, whether it's Mike Brown himself, protect the investment. Now, they've got a game on Monday. Um, all summer long, this pillow fight between Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon unfolded. <laughs> Can't go get somebody from the outside. Why? Well, they really like Jake Browning. Okay. Is, is that something we just say? Or, or do they really like him? Because if they really like him, a guy who's been in the system now for three, this is his third season, with a week to prepare, with elite offensive weapons, a better offensive line, a defense that has had its issues but is still likely not going to get gashed for 45 points, can, can you ask for a better runway? He's been in the system, the same system, same coaches since he's gotten here. Can you ask for a better runway for a guy making his first NFL start 
than what Jake Browning would get if they said yesterday, Joe's not playing Monday. We know that. We, we, we got other stuff to figure out. Do we put him on IR? Is he going to play in two weeks? What, what's the severity of this? But for now, this investment is too important. And we've got a week to get this guy ready under these circumstances. Should be able to do that, man. And if you can't, then the coaching staff isn't as good as we all think. And the roster is not as good as we all think. And Jake Browning is not as good as they insist. So, you know, protect the investment. Sometimes protecting the investment comes at a short-term cost. But, okay, let's mitigate the short-term cost by having what we think is a very good roster, great offensive weapons, a running game that has worked, decent defense, continuous coaching staff, and a backup quarterback we like with a week to get him ready for the L.A. Rams at home? <laughs> if if you're shaking your head at that, where were you back in August when we were wondering, can you put Jake Browning in the game? If the answer then was no, then you lobbied for them to bring in somebody else. Now, I know they brought in Will Greer. But regardless, if I take them at their word, they like Jake. You like Jake Browning to do what? Get us through a week. Okay, let's do it. Get him through a week while we learn more about Joe, while we err on the side of caution, and while we protect the investment. I couldn't agree more um, with with the ideas that, look, what happened last year when Jamar Chase got hurt? Now, it's different when it's the quarterback, okay? Sure. But, you know, there was freak out. How are you going to go forward without Jamar Chase? You got to find a way. Well, guess what? Trent Irwin was great all of a sudden. Uh-huh. And and after the first game on Monday Night Football against the Browns, they didn't lose again. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and they didn't miss Jamar Chase as much as they thought they would. He came back and it all worked out great. The The thing is, it's like, okay, will sitting out this game in the long run accomplish what you want for Burrow? And that's the unknown about the calf is like, you know, sitting out two weeks. Okay. Is, is this chance of recurrence still the same? Mm-hmm. Would you be better off just having him sit back there? I don't know. But when you look at the history of this with quarterbacks, you typically see, they sit it, when it happens in season, they sit out a week, maybe two, but a week, and then they come back and they usually can play the rest of the year. Now, there's obviously a lot of management and there's a lot of mitigating circumstances with that. And there's some bad examples um, that have been particularly ugly over the course of time. However, I think that's worth a shot, <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, the, the, that's worth a shot to say a week. Hell, throw that Titans game in there as a we'll see. Okay, maybe maybe you need to try to go to Nashville and beat Brian Tannehill mm-hmm. um, with this team and Jake Browning and call it two weeks. And then you can feel like you've given it a real shot to get all the way back. And we all should have listened to Jamar Chase about week five at that point. Yeah, uh, but give it a real shot to get there. And the problem is, I mean, the scary part is you have so much on the line because you started freaking zero and two and blew those games, and going to 0-3 and, and, God forbid, 0-4, Saint, <laughs> we're not we're not talking about the same cute, we started 0-2 last year thing, okay? Mm-hmm. You're talking about a totally different animal um, in this conference and in this division. Right, but let's play absolute worst case. What's worse? You start 0-3 and, and Joe Burrow rests, or you start 0-3 and, and in the third loss, Joe Burrow hobbles off the field again? Or is Aaron Rodgers writhing in pain because he tore his Achilles? Right. And- don't like doing this. Aaron Rodgers suffered a calf injury during OTAs. 
And then four plays into his Jets career was done for the year, I guess, with an Achilles injury. Okay. You ideally, yeah, in an ideal world, Joe Burrow, uh, Mr. Miyagi rubs his hands and Joe Burrow's calf is fine. And he throws for seven touchdown passes against the Rams. Okay. Probably not going to happen, right? The verbiage that Joe has used, good enough, good days and bad days. We've done that. And it resulted in hobbling off the field at the end of uh, an uneven performance in which he did play better in the second half, but still. So, okay. Ideally, if it's not that Browning plays, the Bengals throttle the Rams. But if the concern is, oh my God, you can't go 0 and 3, I'll give you two scenarios. 0 and 3, Joe plays, gets hurt even more. 0 and 3, Browning plays, Joe comes back healthier, middle of the season, and can save the season. I pretty obvious call for me. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty obvious call for me. And and like I, I keep coming back to the summer. Uh, first of all, Jamar was right. Everybody rolled their <laughs> eyes, but but he was right. Look, uh, we need him week 12. I, I still want Joe Burrow week 12, and I, I feel like if we can get him close to 100% week 12, there's still going to be something to play for because if I'm buying what the, the organization was selling, we, we, we believe in Jake Browning. If you don't believe in Jake Browning, why didn't you get a different quarterback, right. more accomplished quarterback? You know, again, like, we had the whole, and I, you know, folks would get mad at me on my show for talking about the backup quarterback situation too much. But I'm like, all right, do, do you trust one of these guys to play one game? If the answer is no, find somebody else. Why didn't they find somebody else? If the answer is yes, again, okay, cool, let's do it. You've got a week to get ready. These guys to throw to. This, I still think, decent defense. Same system for three years. Let's go against a, an okay team and you're playing at home. Um, it, it, the, the Burrow thing, again, like we've we've done it his way. We've done it when he's been sort of telling us it's not 100%, right? We've done it. And this is no knock on Joe, but we've done the, and it's good enough. Okay, I don't want to hear it's good enough. I want to hear I'm good. Uh, it's 100%. I'm fine. That's not going to happen this week. And if it does, he's lying. And, and that's not the thing is that's not going to happen for a while right. to truly say a hundred percent. I mean, like earlier we heard Dr. Flynn talk about it. I mean, you can get back to 80% mm -hmm. it by shutting it down for a few weeks, but the idea of there being a luxury that this team has to take six weeks without burrow. I don't know how realistic that is. If we're talking post buy, right. I mean, if you're talking, you're going to rock four games with some combination of Browning and Greer. Because if you're talking multiple games, I think you give Browning Monday Night Football. Greer's been here for a month, okay? And yeah. guess what? If if Browning's awful, maybe you, you Will Greer had one game for his football life in Dallas in the preseason. He played his face off. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what you do. You say, hey, Will, try to re-summon that with these stars and see what happens. And maybe that happens at some point. And maybe you're trying to make it to the bye and get yourself to October 29th. I, you know, I've seen these stories out here um, about, yo, know, IR, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, calm down. All right. If there's the a, if, it, it, yeah. If, if there's a chance that Burrow could maybe be back in four weeks, you're not putting him on IR. That 46th roster spot is just not that important. Okay. So everyone calm down with IR talk. I think it, you're still talking about the ability to manage this thing just fine in a week or two or whatever. 
Um, and if it's more, it's more. But the concept of just ruling that out for a 46 roster spot, roster spot is crazy talk. Um, so, But I do think you have to open yourself up to the concept of it, depending on how this thing truly heals. Yeah. Um, y- yeah. I, I just, t- to me, I, I want to get through this week. I, yeah. I want to see, I want to get through this week. I want to give Jake Browning the best possible chance to succeed. To me, that means he's the guy this week. Um, And in a week, Joe gets examined. Joe's asked for his thoughts on how he feels. We assess where things are. I, I, I'm I'm taking a, a short, a very short term view in order to sort of play a long game here. Uh, I I want to I want to buy myself to next Monday night, and at the end of that game, go okay. How do we do with Jake? How the team function? Did we win? How's Joe doing? And then go from there. Uh, but the reason why we're doing that is because I want to protect the investment. Do you think the 2023 Bengals? Are a better team than the 2019 Bengals? <laughs> I, do I do. I do. 2019 Bengals are they played the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. I think they were they were 10 and 1. The Steelers were very good. They were it was the beginning of them falling apart. Yes. Kind of the beginning of the end, right? They yeah. they they uh they they come to town. Ryan, this was, I'm sorry, 20. When, when did Ryan Finley beat the Steelers? This is this is 2020. 2020. Okay. Yeah, the year Burrow had his ACL. Sorry, I screwed up the years. The, all of those years blend together. Yeah, they they should. Burrow gets hurt. They beat the Steelers, who I think were ten and one on Monday Night Football, with Ryan Finley playing quarterback. He completed seven passes, playing for a team <laughs> that was not good. Can't do that with right. Jake Browning. Not an apples to apples comparison by any stretch, and my apologies for sort of screwing up the details. But like, lean lean into the run game, lean into the run game, which has been effective, which has been effective. Yes, lean into all of it and throw the occasional shot F at Jamar down there somewhere to these guys and let your receivers go try to make a play for you. It's not going to be perfect, but find a way. You know, find find a way. The only thing that matters is on Monday night, the result win 17, 16, give it to Joe, uh, have figure out a way to not let Aaron Donald destroy Jake Browning and, and get out of there with a win. And then on Monday morning, let's talk about if Joe can play against Tennessee and what the plan is moving forward. Like I just, in the short term here, I, I would find it almost irresponsible to, to play him. And I know the pushback is going to be from some, uh, although not many, Hey, it's football. You got to gut through, dude. I'm protect the investment. This is a two hundred and seventy-five million dollar franchise player. That if something big or major happens to him, all of this goes away. <laughs> okay, so does does that mean we compromise our chances of of winning Week Three against the Rams at home? If so, be it. I I just I find it hard to believe it makes any sense to to put Joe Burrow in uniform and have him try to play on Monday. On September 19th, week three against the Rams feels important. On December 19th, week three against the Rams will not feel like it was that important when you start thinking about what actually matters for this team trying to do what it wants to do, which is win the Super Bowl. This is 
they got to find at this point, they're going to have to find some way to scratch into the playoffs. And I hate to make it sound like that on September 17th or 19th, but look, if, if, if you're going to talk about playing multiple weeks without Burrow, fine, whatever it is, they're in a tough AFC, a tough division. They're Oh, and two it's scratch in somehow and hope that you have your team that you thought you would have when you get there. Guess what? You've done it before. They okay? prioritized health. <laughs> they prioritized health all summer, right? Yeah. That's why they don't play anybody in the preseason. We're prioritizing health. So the season's here. The most important player's health is in question. We're not going to prioritize it now? Yeah. Like, be consistent. All summer long, the last few years, and a philosophy that I'm on board with, despite the early season results, prioritize health. It's your best asset. Your most important player, his health isn't your best asset. Like, okay, let's let's say he plays, they win. And he comes hobbling off the field again. Great. You beat the Rams. You're one and two. Now what? I want to, I want to stop asking about is Joe. Okay. Uh, after watching him play, I, I think the best way to do that is to not have him play. I just, I, I, I find it. I find it hard to believe that a responsible, mature organization this morning is saying, you know what? He could still go against the Rams. I just that I, I, I have a hard time believing that. And I'm sure that if you ask Joe, he is going to want to be out there. And I respect the hell out of that. I would expect nothing less. At some point, somebody's got to step up and go. It's best for all parties involved, us and you, to not have you out there. And if this is a self-assured organization, like I think it is, then they think they can put together a plan for Jake Browning to function well enough to eke out a win at home against the Los Angeles Rams. Got to find a way to stop Puka Nakua. Well, that could be an issue. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I we just spent 18 minutes talking about uh, a single person's calf, like it's the biggest story around because it is in this city. <laughs> However, we just gloss over this week. This is a perfect example. We spent we focused so hard on this when in Mexico, allegedly, <laughs> there's there no are, segue from that to where we're going now. That's right. There is a a UFOologist, a ufologist, who showed two alien corpses in their Congress. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. So in this country, we're arguing over stuff that doesn't matter. Let's be honest. We're we're, we're arguing over a lot of things. They're arguing over the dress code in the Senate, I think, right now. I saw that on TV this morning. Okay, (laughs) that's what we're doing in this country. In Mexico, they're having hearings where they're unfurling UFO bodies. And again, I said this on your podcast like a month ago. We're just, eh, yeah. How is this, first of all, UFOologist or UFologist, how do you become one of those? (laughs) And if you say you're a UFOlogist, does anybody challenge your credentials? I don't even know what it would be. Let's say I showed up somewhere and I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, radio host and uh, UFOlogist. Is anybody really in a position to go, no way? Like, 
Well, all you have to do to be a ufologist is be able to look up. What? That's a UFO. I mean, <laughs> what what credentials do you have to have to be like I get astronomer, I get astrologer, even though I think those people are wacky. What is it? How do you attain the title of ufologist? You write so it on a napkin. So there is the first one. Secondly, if you would have said to me 15 years ago, we're going to have an actual uh, like congressional legislative body that somewhere on this planet is looking at concrete proof that there's aliens. I would have thought that would dominate the discourse on this planet 24 seven. Yeah. No, no, that is, that is not happening. And that is staggering to me. No, apparently one of these little guys was pregnant, which is wild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, appa- uh, apparently, again, I, I mean, the picture is almost hysterical in its in its like stereotypical nature, right? Right. I mean, it's 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 what it kind of looks like. They carved an egg carton into the face <laughs> of an of a little alien figure, you know, and it kind of makes me wonder. However, and I'm I, you know, I just love that. I want to like spend more time in Mexico's Congress. Like I, I want to. We're just welcoming in these people. Although, really, how different is it than ours? Uh, well, massively because you know they're actually investigating actual aliens, and yeah. we're fighting over God knows what. I just, you know, I spent years as a radio producer, and even like back before the real mainstreaming of the internet, we had the book of experts. It was this gigantic, it looked like a phone book, and it's like, ah, uh, you know what? Uh, we need a tax expert, or we need an aviation expert. Uh. Where do you find the ufologist? <laughs> like who's how do you what what rabbit holes do you go down before hey I we got the guy we we've got a we've got a ufologist. How do you know he's a ufologist? Says he is. <laughs> <laughs> I am so fascinated by this and it feels to me like you and I are the only ones in this yeah. country and we are going to continue on this path We are going to be your go-to source for weird alien news that's happening anywhere in the world right here on Here That Podcast. We stand for something. That nobody seems to care about. We do. I mean, it's it's amazing to me. I'm going to put this in the podcast bio. When you you sent me the story last week, I was sitting on the couch with my wife and I showed her and she's like, she's interested in Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I'm like, that's inconsequential. That's going to be over in a month. Like, we have aliens. Uh, <laughs> oh, Mo! Staggering. I'll keep. Uh, I'll keep perusing. I've, I set up Google alerts for myself for ufologist. Uh, so I'm gonna keep keep an eye on it closely. Is ufologist we'll keep, we'll keep like back in. like like when your friends get married and you're like they ask you to officiate it and you have to go online and pay the money for the little card that allows yeah. you to officiate weddings? <laughs> Is being a ufologist similar? Where you just yeah yeah you go to the website, you type in your info. You, you Venmo them 15 bucks. And then like a week later, you get a piece of paper. It's like the remember back in the 2000s when they would sell stars and they would run these radio commercials like you, you could own that star. And yeah. mo- morons would send hundreds of dollars to this guy. And you come back, <laughs> oh, here's a picture of your star. Like, wow. OK, I, I feel like ufologist is the next sort of incarnation of that, where you probably just send some money. You get a card back and then you could hold it up. Yeah, I'm a ufologist. And then if the Mexican government wants to know about aliens, you produce a couple of corpses that maybe you made at home. I don't know. And uh, you're the (laughs) the international UFO expert. 
I can't tell you how much money I would pay to present you with your own ufologist card. I mean, significant. I do have a birthday coming up. <laughs> you do. It's it's on the list. I've marked it down. All right, Mo. Appreciate your time and your insight. As always, I will see you uh, this afternoon at the Moreline Logger House from three to four on ESPN fifteen thirty. Did you say insight? Yeah, that's what I provide. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it. Thank you, see sir. You later. See you guys. Bye. All right. Uh, great catching up with Mo. I, I just. I love I love teeing it up, Dave. Yeah, I just you know Mo talking aliens is just the best. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it struck me as he ranted about how you can just call yourself a ufologist. You know what it made me think of? Fantasy football experts. Yeah, you can just call yourself a fantasy football expert, and then you're a fantasy football expert. Yeah, so that's that's like the ufologist of America. Yeah, you can just say, "Hey, I I, I won a league once." Yes, yeah. you know. So I'm, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm, an I'm the real. I'm kind of a big deal. I have a website and a podcast. <laughs> Did you know? Uh, yes. Uh, all right. Let's. We we've okay. So we've done it all. We've covered aliens. We've covered every aspect imaginable of the Joe Burrow calf decision. There's other things happening with the Cincinnati Bengals. I know it might not seem like it, uh, but there are. And I just want to kind of tick through some of the other kind of news developing situations. Um, as as we kind of get through this week and and head towards Monday Night Football against the Rams. Um, talked to Luana Rumo on Monday uh, for a little while about some of the things in my story after the game. You know, I felt I still I feel like what's happened with the de- with the defense, if you ex- extract Burroughs calf from the conversation, what's happened through two weeks with the defense is maybe the most concerning aspect yeah. of 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 these first two weeks because you just don't see them allowing teams to just shove it down their throat. I mean, you have two weeks now uh, where the Browns and the Ravens have run up huge uh, amounts of yardage on the ground. You have the Browns going over 200 at 5.2 per carry. The Ravens for 178 at 4.8. They, only one time in the last two years had they, when they played their starters, had they allowed 175 yards or more and 4.5 yards per carry. Only once. It's a, a game against New Orleans last year in week six. Yeah, That's it. And they, they just look bullied. I mean, they look bullied. Yeah. And I think even more concerning is all the injuries that the Ravens had. I mean, we I think we all kind of went into it thinking they could exploit these absences of key players. And... What we did learn is that Lamar Jackson is back and he's still really, really good. And the Ravens are good when Lamar Jackson's back, but you just don't expect to get bullied, especially when you got some backups on the offensive line. I mean, we know they're running backs. We know Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, but yeah, it, it did not look like what we expect out of that defense. I mean, Sam Mustafer leading the way for Gus Edwards, for God's yeah. sake. I mean, this is what we're talking about. And, that, and that's the frustrating part. And, and Lou sort of called it, you know, just a, a body blow for them in in the pride in the way they operate because that's who they are. Yeah, and I mean, they are that front seven. They are stopping the run to get teams into third and long, and then and then Ludini or whatever whatever nickname we're going with this week um, <laughs> takes over and they get stops right. And it's just they kept allowing the Ravens to find themselves in third and manageable situations. And then that from that point allowed them 
to run it on him. And you know, it wasn't all right down the throat. So there's a lot of the side to side stuff, but stuff that they just should be better at, stuff that they should be stopping. And you could sense his frustration with that. And and there is a bit of an asterisk by these two in that you're down big time in the rain in Cleveland, and they get how many carries when they're up two scores? I mean, where they that's it does get a touch unfair there. You know, you can get some some stats that that shift um unfairly um but you get to the ravens i mean that is who they are and what they do but they've faced these teams before it's not like it's never they've yeah. never taken the field against a good run offense at all i mean this so that's that's i think the frustrating part about it for them and 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 also what's changing here you know, what's changing other than some mirror looking that we always get. We get a lot of mirror looking this time of year when mm-hmm. teams take some losses. Um, is is there is there a scheme element? I mean, Lou, Lou kind of just made it sound like there's just a sort of a um, the, the, the wounded animal, I guess, if you will, that's going to be in these guys coming out with sort of a point to prove or there needs to be um, after after what happened uh, against the Ravens. Um, I want to. The other thing that was a topic for me with Lou was the safeties. Now we we talked about before the season. This has been, you know, obviously the primary defensive storyline because losing Von Bell and Jesse Bates and how long it was it going to take Dax Hill and Nick Scott to get up to the stratosphere of the level that they played at. Um, and in that process, will it cost you games? And I think it's fair to ask, did it cost them a game Sunday? You know, because Nick, you had Nick Scott blitzing and not being able to get Lamar Jackson down a a couple of times. Um, You had the third and goal where Dax Hill couldn't get through to the wash to get to Mark Andrews fast enough. um, And he scores a touchdown. Um, You have a deep ball, which this wasn't on Nick or Dax, but you had a deep ball to Zay Flowers um, where Lou said it actually was DJ Turner on the other side. The defense they were playing was floating DJ back up top as sort of kind of like the other safety that's kind of got to sprint to the top of the field to get somebody that would be running deep and, and just wasn't quite fast enough to get there. Again, a rookie in his second game. But you're you're talking about a rookie in his second game. You're talking about guys who weren't part of this team last year that were that you're counting on as you work Cheeto back and and things like that. So it felt like that was a part of things, certainly. Um for for Lou in he called the arrow up and still very much progressing specifically for Dax Hill. Um and then Nick got injured. But there were moments where and it's not fair to do this to these guys all the time, but there are moments where it's clear that this probably would have looked different with Jesse and Vaughn. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think you still see great things out of Dax Hill. You see the closing speed. You see that he's a guy that I think is going to develop into a very good safety, but it's like you're watching the growing pains in real time, you know, and it's not, he didn't really get eased in. He had last year, but he really didn't get eased in. And I, I, the safeties can just make or break a defense. I mean, I, I think back as a Seahawks fan, those Legion of Boom defenses, and the a large reason they were good was because Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor could do everything. They could cover ground. They tackled. They wrapped guys up. They knocked guys on their butt. And I'm, I'm not going to go so far as to say Bates and Bell were that, 
but I don't know that they were too far off of that. So it's, it's a big thing to change. And then when you're not, you know, it can start making your corners look bad if they're not getting the help they need from a, a safety. It can start making your linebackers look bad if they're not getting that support on the run, like the, the missed blitz tackles. Um, so it, it can have a domino effect. I think it's just going to be some growing pains in that area. Yeah. I mean, he's, he mentioned a play where, where Jordan Battle had come in once Nick Scott went down and, you know, he's right in the gap he's supposed to be at. But instead of thinking of shooting out to the run, he's kind of still thinking more about pass and the run mm-hmm. goes 12 yards. And he's like, that's kind of a prime example of a rookie because you're, you're, you may be in the right spot, but you're not thinking the right way while in the right spot. And that split second in this league costs you a, a gash run. You know, and and that's the type of stuff that can happen when you just have young players or players that are still learning to find that chemistry with each other. And I do think that is a part of this, too. Um, and, and it's a part of some of the stuff that they're working through and and what we knew was going to be a part of this um, as as they kind of made their way through this season. But the rest of it, I mean, the stuff up front, um, everybody's been paid. Mm-hmm. These guys that we're talking about that are your front six. These guys have all been paid, every last one of them, okay? So they need to be the ones to fix it. They need to be the ones to not tolerate it. They need to be the ones to have the bounce back um, against the Rams and Kyron Williams or whatever, you know, which takes me to Cam Akers, Monday Night Football, on the trade block. Yeah. We know the Bengals have this, whatever's happening in the back of their running back room. I don't see the Bengals being the type of team that would make a trade uh, like this, but again, running backs who can sort of catch and run could be somebody you would, you would think it would be somebody who they would maybe think about, but I want you just, it's hard not to couch this with, but what the hell's going on with cam makers? Do you really want this? This has been going on for two years now in LA. So I, you know, people that say, Oh, trade for cam makers. You can be sort of a complimentary back. Maybe bring you some juice. I don't know what the hell's going on in LA, but they seem not to want him, And he's still very talented. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that when he's played well, looks pretty spectacular, but um, I think a lot of fans will get kind of enamored maybe with fantasy stats, things like that, that he's had big games. When all of a sudden a team in week two is putting a guy on the block like this, you gotta you gotta have some red flags over that. But the guy is talented, so it's something to at least consider. Um, one other note, and and this plays into we briefly mentioned it with Mo, you know where you go forward offensively. I think the running game has shown enough through two weeks in the way it's been utilized, which is Joe Mixon's had thirteen carries each of the first two weeks. It's been really effective. I mean, they he had a 46% efficiency rate on Sunday, which is very good. It's um it would be one of the best in the league last year. He is high up there in rushing yards over expectation. He's fourth in the league in rushing yards over expectation percentage, which is how many of his runs get more than were available. So it's running back score essentially. Mm-hmm. Um you're you're seeing that extra, you're seeing the efficiency they want. You're not seeing as much of the explosiveness, but he, again, we said it last week, you see the eye test. You're seeing Mixon fight for extra. I mean, he had that one where he's carrying guys yeah. seven, eight yards. He's he's looking explosive, making cuts. He he is, he's looking like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. 
And I think specifically with this situation with Burrow or Jake Browning, wherever you're going forward, it's time to lean a little bit more into that thing that is going well um, to try to offset everything because it's the one thing that's been consistent and consistently good through two weeks is now maybe in a smaller sample size, but the the running game has, has had something to it. It's, it's had some bite. Yeah. I, that's why he's there. He's one of your weapons. And I, I think the where, where Zach Taylor will take a lot of heat. A lot of people don't even want him to be the play caller. And we hear that every year is you can't be stubborn. I mean, and in your article today touched a lot on that. You've got to adjust what you're doing. If Joe Burrow isn't totally Joe Burrow, and the most obvious way to do that is take advantage of, of Joe Mixon and, and just keep going with what's working. Now, if it doesn't work, figure out something else. But like you said, in the short term, especially, it's probably wise to start up in his touches and make him more of a focal point of the offense. Yeah. And and if you had Jake Browning in there, you could be more comfortable going under center, running yeah. the running the play action and some of that other game that you can do off of that and get that a little bit more involved. Um in, in your game plan. And so again, something to consider and, and think about, but I do think that's been a positive um, through a couple of weeks and something that you'd like to see them. I'm sure need to lean more into as they go forward against the Rams. Now that involves running at Aaron Donald. And we know what that looks like sometimes. Uh, and the idea of Burrow standing back there with his like half calf with Aaron Donald, he's going to end up doing the Geno Smith, no. The, oh my god right <laughs> it's just incredible uh and so you you know but that that's that's what it is that's what the league is guess who's on deck after that jeffrey simmons we've seen this show those are bad mat have traditionally been bad matchups for the Bengals. the good news for them is their interior line is healthy for these games yeah. and so they they got these guys to combat the donalds and the simmons of the world to try to you know change change the uh the effect a little bit of what they do. I one more yeah. one. You go ahead, go ahead, Dave. No, no, no. I was just agreeing with you. On one more, one more piece that I wanted, I wanted to mention. So we haven't hardly had a chance to talk much about Charlie Jones and his punt return, which was uh, a big play for the rookie, obviously. And I, I feel like, you know, if one play goes differently, you know, the 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 red zone interception by Burrow, if if he sees Geno Stone and throws to Chase, who got himself wide open, or is able to hold. Geno Stone towards Chase and Higgins was wide open. Um, you know, when we were talking about a Bengals win here and we're talking about how Charlie Jones changed the dynamic of yeah. this yeah. you know, because they were it pulled them out of the abyss of the early struggles to keep that game close despite how poorly it went. I loved Charlie was hanging out at his locker uh on Monday and his ball was sitting there and someone was like, so what are you going to do? Is that the game ball? What are you going to do with it? And he's like, it's actually not. <laughs> he's like, because of the flag, I just gave the ball back to the ref. And then it just sort of disappeared. I don't know where it is. I don't know what happened to it. So this is just kind of like a ceremonial ball that someone gave me. But I don't, I don't know if it's the real one <laughs> uh, or not. And I said, look, there are enough cameras in that <laughs> building. We can go full tracking. Yeah. Of every ball, we can find that ball for you. Now, now it might be a little too late, but that we could have found it that day. Yeah, they, and they're... there's no saying that that isn't the ball. It oh, could be the ball. You just, just that was that, that was like an M Night Shyamalan twist you just threw in there. What if it yeah. is the ball? I tell you though, I was 
I was so sad watching that interview with him in the locker room. He just, yeah. he looked like a kid that was just kind of defeated over that. I don't have the ball. And it's yeah. <laughs> it kind of summed up their day, didn't it? Like yeah. it just was that kind of day. And you're right. The result of the game kind of makes it an afterthought. That was just a huge, huge play and a tip of the cap to him. I mean, this is a guy that decided to go through with playing with the labrum and He's out there. I think we questioned a little bit in the preseason. He maybe wasn't breaking a lot of tackles and it didn't look like he had that explosion, but man, he was flying on that. So it hit 21 miles per hour on the next crazy. gen there, which was, which is quite fast. And, and, you know, normally Bengals fans love to criticize the officials. Great job by the officials of knowing to pick that flag up and recognize. I don't know if New York chimed in on that one. Yeah. But recognize that the Ravens player pushed the Bengals player into the other Ravens player <laughs> in the back. Uh, and that's what caused that contact. But picking that flag up was the right thing to do. And I'm glad they did it. Otherwise, um, that would have been that was a major decision over the course of the game. And certainly, um, you know, if the Bengals, if the Bengals had lost, we'd be talking a lot. We'd be talking a lot about that if they would have called that back. Now, one more thought on the ball, and then I'll let it go. Okay, all right. You just mentioned the next-gen stats and the speed. They measure that with a chip in the ball, do they mm, not? No, that's that's Charlie Jones. It's a chip in his shoulder pads. There okay. are – we did talk about chips in the ball last year where that came out. Yeah. Like, wait, there's, everyone was like – That's right, because everyone's like, why don't they use that for I think they need to find that ball. There's a Yeah. Chip. There's technology to get this done. I agree. Or we could just, I think I told Charlie, I just tell everybody it's the ball. No, <laughs> no one knows. Just tell them yeah. it's the ball. Yeah. Um, our little secret. Uh, all right. Let's recap here. Bengals growler bet from Thursday. Our first Bengals growler bet. It was back. You guys sent your submissions to hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter. You emailed me. It was Joe Burrow's passer rating. So coming off his career low of 52. Point five, I believe, in Cleveland. How big would the bounce back be, right? And uh, it was 85.6. So not massive. Uh, really, one, the Geno Stone pick is really what swings this to where most of you were and where it ended up. Only one person, shout out Emperor Meow. <laughs> I like to shout out Emperor Meow uh, on Twitter. The only one to have an answer lower than 85.6. I like a true pessimist, yeah. you know, to just drop in there. <laughs> um, only one who had lower than that. So shout out to them. Uh, shout out to, of course, our guy, Ray White, who likes to entertain me with his email headlines. He said, that growler's out. That's live. Tariko voice, which I appreciated. <laughs> uh, well done uh, there. And so, but not even a, not even a so close on this one. Nobody, nobody was, was that close. I beat James Rapine, which I am most happy about. My guess was 92.3. He had just over a hundred. So that play saves me and gets me the victory. I am up one to nothing on my Thursday guess over the course of this year on winning the growler bet. So feeling good about that. Um, let's get, thank you. Um, <laughs> let's get to Arby's. I have two Arby's. Um, here's my first. And it's funny because I meant, you know, mentioned the the back to the future, which, by the way, shout out to us for really taking care of people who grew up in the 80s with both a karate kid, Miyagi and a Biff Tannen back to the future reference. <laughs> in the same episode. Sorry, kids. Sorry, sorry to our young demo out there. <laughs> uh, but. The, so I, I we have I, I wanted to say I have 
in that story, in the first edition of the calf story, is Kevin Durant. Um, about who he got impatient, tried to come back during the finals and yeah. tore his Achilles, right? And you know, we've seen this now with Rogers, Durant. This again, different sport, but same concept. And meanwhile, there was Kevin Durant. I had myself and Joe Daneman had what we have dubbed the most casual Kevin Durant sighting in history. <laughs> we were wa- after the game, we're walking down to go towards the elevator and the steps. And usually when you go over there, you're judging how many people are in line for the elevator. Do I go out into the steps, which is going to be full of the crowd until you get down? It's just, you have two options of how to get down to the locker room. We opt for the steps because there was too many people trying to get on the elevator. And as we're walking by on the other side of the elevator, elevator, you just see like 10 people all standing there very close together and one whose head <laughs> is a foot taller than everyone else's. And it's Kevin Durant. And I just turned to Joe and I go, not Kevin Durant and just kept right on walking. Cause we needed to get downstairs. We were in a rush and he stops me. He goes, wait, you can't just casually say Kevin Durant <laughs> point to it. Right. Goes back, looks, I'll be damned. It is Kevin Durant. And it's just, he was there in Burroughs suite. Uh, I think Devin Booker was with him. Yeah. Booker was there. And so, um, but he was he was there. They, I I'm guessing I'm guessing the white party helped them hit off that friendship uh, oh, yeah. in the summer. I know they were they're there. So so maybe they were maybe he's been leaning on him for calf and, and uh, advice over the course. Well, you I just and this might show up on your performance review. I mean, as a <laughs> Cincinnati journalist, how do you not stop and ask the mandatory question? What do you think of our chili, Kevin Durant? Because <laughs> you have to do that. It's important. You're right. What a what fail all, on my part. Yeah, what all celebrities think and famous yeah. people think about our chili when they come to town. Just it, so I everyone... mean, he was up on the sweet level. They served the skyline at halftime. Uh, yeah. I, it was really what a missed opportunity by myself. <laughs> I, I apologize. I'll, yeah. I'll, you know what? I'm going to try to contact his publicist. <laughs> I think you should. This is now bigger than getting the uh, Charlie Jones ball back. We need to know. I got a lot on my plate right now. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) let's. uh, The other thing was, and I I have to admit, I didn't see this, but I was, I heard about this story happen, and I'm just so amazed at it. I have to relay it. After the game, uh, the field had cleared. All the players had finally come off, and there's like about a, I don't know, about a half hour or so until they usually let some family and friends or sponsors, whoever, get to go on the field after the game and they play whatever they're playing, who knows, or just on the field. And But in that period, apparently someone ran on the field, uh, like like jumped from the stands onto the field, as anybody knows, is a big no-no. Even if the field is cleared, he was taken down, taken in. Turns out, Dave, he is Canadian and is being deported. Oof. Tough decision making, <laughs> boy. Just when you think you're really enjoying America, yeah. he's like, look where I come from, the CFL in Saskatchewan. <laughs> I just go out there and get a couple of tutties after the game. Yeah. Okay, that's how we deal it with the Rough Riders. I've never against against the Rough Riders. Yeah, well, yeah. every team's named the Rough Riders up there. Yeah, sure, of course. Right. In the Argos, no, uh, in the Argos. Yeah, which. Man, when when the Rough Riders and the Argos get together, throw <laughs> out the records. Yeah, and run on the field. Yeah, and right. run on the field. But yeah. so apparently learned tough lesson. Learned yeah. the tough lesson that Americans take it a little more serious. <laughs> and uh now he's back to Canada. I guess. <laughs> tough break. Tough break. He's harsher penalty than a Zubaz headbutt guy. Oh, 
uh, who, by the way, can we be done with this? Can we be yeah. done with this like way that we act as humans at football games or really anywhere uh, yeah. in the world, but specifically in these game environments? Can we just not be these people as, as like in general, every stadium, everywhere we go? I mean, there was like what gunshots in Chicago, like at the yeah. at the at the stadium. We, these these things happen all the time. I'm just I I go to I've been to enough NFL games that it's just it's such a fun experience in so many ways. And there's enough dudes like that guy that are just drawn to it. They start drinking at a tailgate at 8 a.m. and they're just ready to fight. And it just saps the fun out of going to a game. So, yeah, I would love to see people stop being that way. I don't like our chances. No, <laughs> it's gonna, we're closer to the beginning than we are to the end on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and we're closer to the end in a lot of ways, uh, well, which well, is a perfect segue, Dave, because we have reached the end, the conclusion yeah. of this fine program. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for hanging with us. Appreciate everybody that wore their big boy pants today for for having the real conversation. We hope we tried. We tried to you know give you the news that you need try to be realistic about this try to let you understand the real conversations that are happening and remember it's football let's keep it light as good as we can (laughs) uh because i know that it's frustrating for fans if you're a fan you have high expectations you love joe burrow anybody that likes football likes watching joe burrow play in full and so nobody wants to see so i hope hope we're able to kind of shed some light onto where everything stands we'll have more as we'll we'll Turn a little bit more forward later this week. Uh, turn eyes on Monday Night Football against the Rams. White Whiteout, Ring of Honor, uh, Chad Ocho Cinco and Boomer Esiason, uh Super Bowl rematch. Lots of other stuff to dig into, and we'll of course have updates on the most famous calf in the world, maybe right now. So anyway, thanks everybody uh, for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.